The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents... Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I am D.C. Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engaged and Wall Street alum, as well as top WBE CEOs. And I'm here with my co-host, Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hey, D. Marshall. I'm Mita Malik. I'm a business leader, a DEI champion, and most importantly, a working mother. I love that you say, most importantly, a working mom. That is That is super sweet as well as many other things, contributor to all of the major business pubs. You're bad. You're bad. Hey, let me get back to the show. Yes. Hey there, everybody. Uh, Mita and I, we started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in the workplace from my perspective as a Black woman. And for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman And what we do here at our table, we unpack it all. We don't leave any juicy details out. And then we provide you with tips that you need, not on how to survive in the workplace, but how to thrive in organizations. So Mita, what are we talking about on today's show? So D, today we're going to talk about something that I have struggled with throughout my career. And if I'm going to admit to everyone and be honest, I still struggle with. So I know so many listeners are going to relate to this. It is how to stop working so hard and start working smart. And it is something that I continue to struggle with. I can't wait to hear D's feedback on this. And let's get into it. Awesome. Awesome. The, you know, I love I love this concept of working smart versus working hard. So this is my thing. This is my judge right here. And actually, um, it's strategy for high performers. So how did this show up for you? Well, it starts with once upon a time. That's going to be my new thing. Once upon a time. <laughs> once upon a time. When I was uh, a spring chicken, a marketer starting her career, one of the things that marketers do when you're rising the ranks, it's the PL, right? Understanding the numbers, that's like groundwork. And forecasting is huge, D. You've got to figure out how much of what you're shipping, whether it's bottles of shampoo or tubes of toothpaste. And so every month, there would be a forecasting meeting. And I would have to, at 8 a.m., show up with all of the other junior people wait outside, kind of like the waiting room, sort of like at the doctor's office. I don't know. That's not the right analogy, but you're waiting. You're just waiting for you to be called in to the exec team and present. And you're really only presenting for 20 minutes. D, I will tell you, the night before that presentation and the days leading up to it, but that night before, routinely, I was in the office till 11 to midnight preparing. I would then go home, have a little cup of coffee, and then I would be preparing some more. I probably would average maybe three hours of sleep before I showed up to do the presentation because I wanted to be prepared, right? Over-prepared. And what happened one time is that when I was presenting at this meeting, I had prepared so much and slept so little, I was like a deer in the headlights. The VP was asking me questions. I just stood there 
I didn't even know what she was saying. I couldn't understand. My brain couldn't process. And that was like a huge career fail. I still remember it. Some of my closest friends who were there still remember that moment from years ago because I just couldn't even process what she was saying because I had been having so many cups of coffee trying to prepare for this thing. And then I show up and in that moment that matters, I fizzle. But what I want, what I want to talk about here is the cultural lens for me and that get your response is that I have just been trained as, again, daughter of immigrant parents. It's like, keep your head down, work hard, and you will be recognized. And that is exactly what I was podcast. That's not how it works in our organizations. And this idea of constantly working, 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 it's like we're back in the third grade and I'm chasing the extra credit. There's no extra credit in corporate America, is there? So I'm stuck on, you said one thing, preparing, preparing, preparing. And I totally get it. I get it. And, and I love that you could share from a cultural lens um, because I'm I'm processing even as a Black woman, I'm, I'm processing the working hard thing. But let me first respond to one thing that you said. You said one word. You said prepared. I wanted to be prepared. And my question is, is it we want to be prepared or we want to be perfect? Ah. Uh, Do you see? Mm, drop Do that you mic, see? D. Wow. Do you see? Mm. Is it? Because I want there to be no room for doubt of my capabilities. Absolutely yeah. no room. We talked about that, right? Yeah. And I'm going to say something that I've been really thinking about, which is I don't have the privilege to be average. Yep. I don't. And so what? how does that show up for me? I don't have the privilege to be average. That shows up for me is I'm going to work and work and work until I can't work anymore and get all those points on the board. Some of them I don't even need. Some of them are irrelevant, but I'm just going to work, yeah. work, work. And so that is where that comes from. And that's how you can go down this path of not working smart, but just continuously working hard. And then you look up and everyone else is getting promoted. And it's like, well, I just was working hard. I wasn't working on the right things. Yeah. You know, so as a Black woman, so here's my share to to your story and what's coming up for me. Black women are known to work really, really hard to carry a lot. So we are we are naturally wired to work hard and we do that. So I think one, it's cultural. But two, it also comes from the standard that we are held to, which is different than our counterparts. So we like, you know, like you and your experience, it is known that we have to deliver and over-deliver. So we have to work hard. We do not have the luxury to fail. Um, And we do not have the luxury to be subpar. We have subpar performance, which is, in fact, I I just thought about this. There's a stat that, you know, Black women are the most educated in the U.S. We have the highest number, the highest rate of, you know, college degrees. And it's because we're, we know that we need to come up with more than. Um, But here's one other thing. I don't know if I shared this, but I'm a big fan of, I'm a fan of Sarah Blakely. Okay. Do you know Sarah Blakely? Yes, I know Spanx. Of course. Because she's such a down chick. I might be wearing someone right now. (laughs) I actually, I am wearing my Spanx right now. Yeah. But she is the, when I tell you I love her, because she's so real. Like I have never, well, anyway, but let me, let me just give context for you and your standard, me and my standard as a black woman. And then, and then the Sarah Blakely standard, Mm -hmm. you know how she became a billionaire, by the way, everybody, Sarah Blakely is the founder of Spanx, right? But you know how she became a billionaire? And I was floored by this. It's that she had permission to fail. When she was a kid, her dad would ask 
her and her brother every day at the dinner table. Kids, what did you fail at today? I know everybody is falling out right now. Exactly. When I heard that, I almost died. She said if they didn't have anything to say they failed at, like if they didn't have any any feedback for him, he was like, you're not trying hard enough. And so he gave them permission to fail. But Sarah Blakely is a white woman, okay? And so sidebar, I love her. But I actually, I loved her dad even more that a dad who gave permission for his children to fail because what he was doing is he was disrupting the pattern and the fear of failure. He was setting his kids up to try, to explore, to experiment. And I'm only bringing in that story because for all of you listening, I don't have the luxury as a Black woman, to fail. And my parents were, no, you cannot fail. And Mita, similar thing. You're saying the same thing, right? As a daughter of immigrant parents, we were not allowed to fail. What do you say about that, my friend? Have we ever talked about that? No, we haven't. Little to no room for failure. So when I walk into that forecasting meeting and I see my white man, Pierre, who is like fresh-faced and has slept really well and is like, oh yeah, I'm just going to wing it. Mm. I didn't really look at the numbers. I was going to wing it. Meanwhile, I've got the numbers and 25 pages of like backup in the appendix in case some question comes up. But I don't, I can't wing it. I don't have that luxury. I don't have the privilege to wing it. And so it's that fine line, like you're saying, of being prepared versus perfect. And also, as we talked about in a recent podcast on presentation, right, on how we show up at work. And when we are sharing, as you would say, our genius, how many leaders are just fixated on on the presentation part versus the substance of what we're saying. And so we're constantly trying to make up for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do believe we have to put in the work, but it's it's hard to know when we're overdoing it. The other thing about your white male counterpart, if he missed, right, he didn't have to work hard because even if he didn't deliver, there's not going to be the same level of consequences for him. He's not going to be viewed in a, in a particular way. So, um, but I love this topic because, so let's go deeper in this working smart versus working hard. Back to what you were saying, that moment that happened to me, people, that was years ago. There are still people who remember it, right? So it's also like, I don't know how many times you remember when a white man fails. I'm sure we do, right? But it's just interesting because it was a pretty like, fizzle moment in my, it was bad. It was bad. But back to some tips on what I have discovered on how to stop working hard and start working smart. One of the things I started to do, and I share this with my team, I share this with anyone who reaches out for advice and mentorship, set timers. I set timers on all the things I do. First of all, my kids know their timers constantly. The show is a screen time over almost two minute timer. I'm like running around. But when I'm sending an email, let's say I was going to send an email to my CEO. D, I would, could have spent hours on that, hours on that email to a CEO when she will literally pick up her phone, everyone's on their phone, look through it, get to the point and respond. She's not going to spend hours reading and dissecting my email. She's just not. And so guess what? I'm going to give myself 10 minutes to write that email. I guess that timer, I'm going to show up, write the email. And so I started doing that for many things that I was, like you were saying, exactly what you said, the right, perfect, perfection. And sometimes I've had to teach myself, done is perfect. Move on to the next thing that's awaiting for you because that email to my CEO is not going to make or break my career. It's just not. No, you're right. And what I like about the email 
Or another tip is, you know, for folks who have that email anxiety, if you've got to write something, um, write and sleep on it or write and hold and put it in the, the draft and then, uh, you know, come back to it. So that that's another. But I also think this working smart, it's not just the tactic strategy or the action, right? It's not the, it's not the, the actual thing, but I think working smart has more to do with working on ourselves, like interrupting and disrupting our patterns and routine. Cause what you're now saying is setting a timer, right? Is helped you to disrupt the behavior. So it's working on yourself, like really reflecting on why am I doing this, right? So that you will know I'm doing this because I'm trying to overcompensate or I'm doing this because I'm a little insecure or uncomfortable and or because I have this anxiety around, you know, emails or presenting. And so my point is the working smart and the the next level and the high performance aspects of this is really working on ourselves. That's really what it is. It is. The other tip I have, which I've come, as you're saying, working on self, is this need to know all the answers to everything when I walk into a room to present or to convince people. And this goes back to room for failure, right? Do I have room to fail? I don't know if I do. But what I do now is literally D. I would be preparing a deck and I would have 28 backup slides. I'm not joking. For every question I think someone might ask me, I would have the answer. Wow. That's like, I don't know how much work. I, this is like, or I would do this, right? And so it's not a bad idea to have a few, right? It's also a really smart way to think about, hey, I'm going to go present to D and leadership team. What are some of the questions they might have? But now what I would do is, let's say I'm back in that world presenting forecasting to you. And you say to me, so Mita, how many lipsticks do you think you're going to ship in Q2? Okay. Oh my God, I don't have a slide. Oh my God, what do I do? And I don't need a slide because here's what I say. Great question, D. It's approximately, I believe, $3 million in volume, but let me, let me get the exact number to you. I'll get back to you end of day. That's it. And then what do I do? End of day, I come back and maybe it was 3.5, maybe it was four. I don't want it to be less than. Yeah. <laughs> Tip. Don't be the ship. Give the number that you think is closest to it and actually underestimate it. Because then when you send the email to D and I was like, actually, it wasn't 3 million D. It was 3.75. D's going to be like, wow. So that was the other thing I started learning in my career that I don't need to, like, I need to show the confidence that I know the answer, but I don't know the exact amount. I'll come back. When I tell you, I think you just helped a lot of women here, a lot of women, women of color in general, black and brown women, maybe in particular, the worry, the concern and the weight of, I need to know it all. As, as you mentioned, when easily the standard could be, you know what, let me check on, let me verify and circle back. There's strength and power in saying, let me, let me verify, yeah. let me gather that and let me circle back with you. There's strength in that. So I love that you gave that. I love that you, you gave that because I'm telling you, people think they need all the answers in the presentation. And guess what? Our mind, our brain is not a holding container. It's a processing plant. Okay. Let me say that again. Say it again. We do not need to know everything when we have, we live in a highly social digital world. We have access to everything. So it is more important. If you think about working smart versus working hard, working smart is not knowing everything and neither is working hard. It is really um, just being resourceful and understanding to not overdo or put any undue pressure on your mind. Your mind is a processing plant. 
it is not a holding container for every detail, every number, every everything. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Listen, D. This is because I'm from the school of D.C. Marshall. This is one of your moves that you taught me is level up. What do you always say to me, Mita? Level up. So the old Mita, anyone who remembers Mita from back in the day, had a cute little black binder. It was pages of all my numbers. And so D would ask me a question. I would pull up the binder. I'd be like, now level up is, this is what I think it is approximately. I'll get back to you. Because leadership, that is what's happening right now in our world, right? Especially as we're all still living through this pandemic, is that we don't have the answers to all of these questions, nor should we. And so that's what real leaders do, is that you are actually saying, D, thank you for that question. That's a great question. Here's how I might think about it. Let me give it some more thought, and I'll come back to you next week. I'll put some more time on your calendar. And that's working smart. It's also leveling up. It's a boss move. Level up. Because even the posture of that, like the posture of that, in fact, as you were talking, I'm thinking I saw manager versus leader, right? When you were Mita with the black book, you were manager, worker B, right? Individual contributor, individual contributor, worker B, manager has all the details. Leaders show up in their executive presence or the genius and the posture of a leader being really strong in knowing and acknowledging that's good insight or perspective. Great question, as you mentioned. And yeah, let's let's check into that. Let's look into that a little further. And that is the smart, smarter move, not putting any undue pressure Love that. And again, that is, working smart is about, like like for high performers, it's all leaning on the self-awareness, the self-development, personal development. This is good. Now, I'm curious, before we go to tips, any thoughts, Mita, about how allies can jump in here? Yeah, that's a great question, Dee. And one of the things an ally did for me early in my career, which I now pay it forward, is that whenever I would get a key initiative or key project, you all know me by now from what I just shared in the podcast. It's like, okay, D just gave me this project. Head down, head down, start working, start working, start working. Gonna work, gonna work all weekend, gonna work late nights. And so one of my career sponsors, go back to season one and listen to that episode. One of my career sponsors once said to me, like, it's sort of like you're gonna write a term paper if we're back in college, write the outline first. Take a step back before you start diving into the work and wasting lots of hours going here and there. What was the question you were asked? 
What do you think might be the output? And what are the steps in between, right? So like almost writing like an outline before you dive in and waste hours. And then, D, as you would say, another boss move, because this is, we're talking not just a term paper, we're talking about what you're doing at work, is when you write that outline of the five things you might need to do, hey, guess what? I don't need to do it all myself. I can ask for help and I should. I should be thinking about who are the key stakeholders in the organization that already has that data, that already has that proposal from last year. How can I actually ask them for help and then actually work smart and then include them and give them a seat at the table on the project? So that's like something that I still tell people. It's like, stop, wait, wait, don't even open the laptop. You can get a blank piece of paper. Let's just sit down and talk about what we want to do. Outline it. That's good. You know what? That's definitely working smarter. And again, what's showing up for me is the difference between individual contributor, manager versus leader, right? You're really talking about Mita, again, Mita professional when you were just starting in your career versus you're a C-suite executive now, right? You are the head of, uh, you know, and you've had this function in this role for a number of years since I've known you, head of inclusion, culture, belonging, equity, you know, so you sit at a very senior executive position now and previously. So I'm seeing manager and former Mita to Mita now. But I will say to add to this before we go to our tips is the working smart, it looks like planning. Because when you open your laptop, when you start working, you're in your worker bee, your individual contributor, your manager, your worker bee. So always the planning. So um, there's something I coined, uh, it's called MPPM, Mental Preparation Before Physical Manifestation. You all can read about it in my book. It's called MPPM. (laughs) I'm going to drop that in the book. Um, But that is, you have to get your head mentally prepared. So mental preparation get your head in the game before you put your foot or your feet on the field. I'll say it again. You have to get your head in the game before you put your feet on the field. In other words, you have to get your mindset together before you exercise or before you take action. And then also working smart is not just the planning piece, the mindset piece. It's also thinking about the outcome. I think when we're younger, when you're younger in your career, you're not thinking about the win. What is the mutually beneficial outcome? Come on, coach. Come on, coach D Marshall. I hear you showing up here, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, there she is. There she is. And then what does, right, the outcome um, and the success measures, what are the three things that I must get right in this regard? That all comes in working smarter and not just jumping into activity. So let's go on over to the tips, Mita. So number one, oh, do you just said it? Do not over-prepare plan. Don't over-prepare plan, plan, plan. So that is one of the key ways to working smarter. And number two, just my personal favorite tip is set timers. (laughs) Set timers on things. That's what I do now. Because you can gauge in terms of prioritizing what you can be really quick about versus what you need to spend more time on. D, what's the drop mic for three? I love number three, but I also love dry runs. On your tip number two, set timers and minimum for dry runs. No more than three dry runs are necessary. Tip number three, sometimes perfect is done. Perfect is done. Let's cancel perfection and work towards excellence 
always, always, always thinking about excellence and knowing you are good enough. You are great. You are wonderful. And you are amazing. Well, with that, you always have to drop the mic at the end. I love it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Dee and I appreciate you. Please give us a listen, a like, a share, spread the word with your communities, and we'll see you next time at the Brown Table Talk. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.browntabletalkpodcast.com.